When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tonight's video is brought to you by Hunt a Killer. If you've been here for a little while, you know the deal with Hunt a Killer, but for those who may be new, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about it. Hunt a Killer is a monthly subscription service that lets you take a deep dive into a fictional police investigation. You play the part of a private investigator, and you, your friends, or whoever you decide to play with are tasked with finding the answers to the mystery. Every box is filled with clues, codes, and evidence you'll have to look through to work out what happened and who did it. What you're seeing now are just some of the items included in the boxes from their curtain call scenario. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I think this will be a perfect gift for her or any other special woman in your life. I know my mom is a huge true crime junkie and yours may be as well. If not, it's still an incredibly fun thing to do with your mom or the whole family. That's not even the best part, though. A portion of each sale goes to the Cold Case Foundation, an organization working to crack real-life cold cases. If this sounds like something you'd love to do with your mom or another important woman in your life, head to the link huntakiller.com forward slash Mr. Davis and use the code Davis to get 20% off of your first box. That's code Davis for 20% off your first box. And thank you again to Hunt a Killer for sponsoring this video. I'm going to start by saying I'm not big into conspiracy theories. While I know there is a lot of secrecy and sketchy goings on out there, while I know there is a lot of secrecy and sketchy going-ons out there, I've always held the belief that most things should be taken at face value and not everything is as shady as some people tend to believe. However, what happened to me three months ago has never been discussed since on any news reports, police files, or even gossip around town. It's as if everyone decided what happened didn't. But it did. I've decided to write this and upload it here on the deep web so it doesn't get suppressed immediately by whomever doesn't want this out in hopes it will surface to everyone else and will be impossible to erase. My name is Travis, I'm 19, and I live in a small town about 20 miles north of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We have a smaller population of around 3,000, which is big enough that not everyone knows everyone, but if you tip back a few too many bottles of moonshine and ride your prized cow into town to declare your love to relationship with Twinkies, the entire city will be gossiping by morning. 
Sorry, Uncle Ken, now that's on the internet too. Most people in town take the 20-mile trek south for work in the big city, but not me. I've worked on my family's weed farm since I was little, and it's the only job I've ever known. I know my father's plan is for me to take over operations on the farm when he retires and support him through his final days. This may be selfish, but at the age of 16, I knew this wasn't for me. It's the same repetitive day-to-day work. The only freedom I receive from this monotony is when I have to transport harvested grain to any of the nearby cities. I'll admit, I'm never in a hurry to come back and tend to get lost in the big cities, causing me to come back home late. When I saw what else was out there besides my dreary life back home, I wanted to do everything I could to move to the big city and live how I wanted. Little did I know, my motivation to do this would skyrocket in one night. I'd finished my work early for the day because my friend Mason and I were planning to head to the plains outside of town and test out his new rifle. It sounds very hillbilly, I know, but in a town like this, we have very little as far as entertainment. Mason had been my best friend and neighbor my entire life. Well, neighbors here being about half a mile apart. We were even born a week apart, and we always held a strong kinship like brothers. We did everything together. To cap off my day, I always logged the amount of grain harvested that day and placed in the silos at the other end of the farm. Most people don't realize there's actually a lot of paperwork involved in farming wheat. Whilst deep in said paperwork, I began hearing very low tones rumble in the distance. This was not concerning at first, since another popular form of entertainment with the younger folk is riding dirt bikes. I shrugged it off and hastily continued my work to leave before it got too dark, but dusk was ending fast. As I threw down my initial to finalize the last of the forms, I was able to lift my head out of work. The rumbling sound continued and was louder than before. At this point, I knew this was not the sound of dirt bikes. It was a strange, almost screechy noise coming from the outside. I threw on a sweatshirt and walked outside while trying to identify the noise I was hearing. As I walked outside, I felt a sort of charge is the best way I can explain it. My arm hair stood on end as a very light wave of what felt like static electricity wafted through me. It wasn't painful at all, but noticeable. The screeching continued, and it was only when I walked outside I realized. It wasn't coming from north, south, east, or west. It was coming from the black, empty void the sky had become once the sun set. At this point, the screeching almost had the inflection of howling as it would kick up and die down within a matter of seconds. The closest I can compare the sound to is when someone drags a chair across a hardwood floor except amplified hundreds of times over. Was this an echo from the factory at the edge of town? Did one of the neighboring farms purchase a new machine that was malfunctioning? I knew none of this could be right because the sounds were coming from directly above me. We had no mountains to echo sound and we were surrounded by nothing but horizon, yet... It reverberated 
everywhere around me. At this point, I wasn't the only one to notice. Much to my relief, I could see porch lights coming on in the distance from my neighbors across the way and watched as they slowly came out of their houses to figure out the same mystery I was perplexed by. A few seconds later, I heard my back screen door open behind me. My parents had been awakened by the sound and came to investigate as well. What the hell is that sound? My dad said in his traditional Midwest accent. I I don't know, Dad. It started up about a minute ago. I thought it was the Thompsons playing around on their bikes again, but... It's coming from the sky, I replied. Damn idiots, crop dusting this time of night. I'm sure bring this up at the next town meeting. He snapped back, clearly frustrated by his sudden awakened state. That ain't no crop dust to Henry, my mom chimed in. Sounds like those underwater documentaries I like where whales talk to each other except... This doesn't sound right. It was at this point my dad fell quiet and stared at the ground. I couldn't tell if he was just really trying to figure out what was happening or if he was simply irritated by my mom's description of sky whales. Do you think we should call someone? I said, breaking the awkwardness as the screeching in the sky continued. My mom looked at my dad for his response. Nothing. He continued to stare at the same spot on the ground. His face was emotionless. I began to realize something wasn't right. I approached my dad and grabbed his shoulder. Uh... Dad, are are you okay? I asked with one eyebrow raised. As soon as he felt my hand on his shoulder, he jerked his shoulder away and began yelling. No words, just yelling as if he was terrified beyond reason. His eyes were wider than I'd ever seen them as he fell to the ground with his hands straining in front of his face. He was straining so hard, every vein in his hands, arms, and neck were popping out. I leapt to him to try and hold him and calm him down. Dad, Dad, what's going on? What's happening? I yelled frantically. I looked back at my mom, who was in a state of shock, watching the situation unfold, holding her hand over her mouth. His screaming continued as he took one swipe toward the ground, digging all five of his fingers into the dirt, almost as if he was trying hard to get himself back up. Mom, call an ambulance! I yelled while restraining my dad. Without a word, my mom ran into the house, eyes still wide open. My dad made it to his knees, still screaming in terror as the sky above continued its bellow. His hands stretched in front of him, strained as if he couldn't possibly close them. His wide, open eyes slowly moved toward mine. He stared at me, mouth wide open as if he was screaming without making noise. His eyes had turned blood red at this point. That's when I witnessed my father begin tearing at the flesh of his own face. I tried to stop him, but being twice my size, I've never been able to come even close to outmuscling him. Gushes of blood poured down his neck as he continued tearing at his own face. He dug so deep, I could see muscle and cheekbone. I'll never forget how he continued to stare at me as he tore apart his own face. 
I didn't know what to do. I ran to my mom, who was on the phone. It's just a busy signal, she yelled in frustration. Mom, Dad is going insane or something. He's scratching at his own face, and I don't know what to do. I frantically shouted. We both ran back outside to see my father lying face first in the dirt. His screaming had stopped. He was still breathing heavily, but seemed to be unconscious. My mom and I looked at each other in disbelief. I walked over slowly. I decided I needed to get him in the house and tie him down before he woke back up. Hopefully by then, we could get an ambulance here to help. But the damage was done. I grabbed his arm to turn him over. That's when he leapt at me, knocking me on my back. He climbed on top of me and began screaming uncontrollably again. With blood and flesh dripping on my face. I began screaming as well. Out of desperation, my mom grabbed a brick from the unfinished patio my dad was building. She hit him on the back of the head as hard as she could. My dad fell on top of me, unconscious. The sky continued its screeching. I pushed my dad off me and looked up at my mom, who was in a state of shock at what she had just witnessed. She fell on her butt without changing expression. Mom... We, we have to get to the Mason's house and get help, I said, trembling. She didn't move. I knew I had to take control despite my extreme terror that I was feeling inside. I picked my mom up off the ground and we started our walk to my friend's house. The shrieking sky continued as we slowly walked. The sound faded in and out. As soon as I thought the sound might have ended after the last wave, it continued again. My mom didn't say a word for the entire walk. It was then that I noticed the static feeling had not gone away. My hair was still on end. We finally arrived at the Mason's house. My tunnel vision had lightened up during the walk due to the fright of what happened. I pounded on the door, yelling Mason's name. No answer. It was then that I looked across the street and saw his closest neighbor in the window of his house. He was writing on his windows with a marker, eyes wide open like my dad. Except he wasn't tearing himself apart. He was calmly writing and writing and writing. I looked a little closer at what he could possibly be writing on his window. It was gibberish. Non-discernible words. As I looked closer, I noticed the same writings were on the walls in the room he was in. He'd been at this for several minutes. What was happening? Is everyone going insane? Is the roar from the sky turning everyone into a mental case? I began knocking harder. Mason finally answered. He grabbed me immediately and hugged me. Travis, please help me, he said with his face buried in my shoulder. What's happening? I replied, not ready to admit I came for his help, too. My mom has stuffed herself in the linen closet and is rocking back and forth talking to herself. She seems completely gone. I, I don't know what to do. He timidly answered with tears in his eyes. His father died when he was three years old in a motorcycle accident, so he'd been the man of the house his whole life. Right now, though, he was at a loss as to what to do for his mother. 
He led us to the closet, which was closed. My mom was starting to come out of her catatonic state and realized what was happening. I knocked on the door. No answer, just a low voice. She was still talking to herself. Miss Danvers, it's Travis and Mason. Can we help? I asked as nicely and politely as I could. She continued talking, but not to us. I put my ear to the door. I could hear what she was saying. Why did you buy that death trap? Why did you leave me? I don't deserve this. You're selfish. You left me. You left me. It's your fault. You left me. Why did you buy that death trap? She continued. I think she's talking about your dad. I said to Mason as he stared at the door. I continued. It's like she's gone into some kind of psychosis. I tried to open the door, but Mason stopped me. No. I tried to get her out of there. Every time I opened it, she screamed. Really loud. He snapped as he grabbed my wrist. A loud bang erupted from outside before he could finish his sentence. We looked at each other and ran outside to see what happened. A car had slammed into the front yard tree. My mom stayed behind, continuing to try and break through to Mason's mom. We ran to the car to try and help whoever was in the accident. Before we got there, a man kicked his car door open and began firing a shotgun into the air and yelling, Get away from me! I don't know who you are! He yelled, firing into the air in all directions frantically. The noise in the sky seemed louder than ever. Mason and I ran back into the house, locking the door behind us. That's when the man noticed we were there. He ran up to the door, trying to get in, slamming his shoulder into it. I was able to deadbolt the door in time and ran to my mom. A blast came through the door. He shot the damn doorknob. He continued with two more shots, creating a large hole in the door. The shooting stopped. I could hear him reloading the shells. After a few seconds, he began kicking in the rest of the fragile door to make room to enter. I began grabbing my mom to take her out the back door when I saw Mason walking down the hallway from his bedroom. I didn't notice he'd left. At this point, the man was halfway through the door with his shotgun pointed right at us. Boom! I closed my eyes tight, covering my mom. All I could hear now was the terrible screech from the black sky outside. Other than that, it was eerily quiet. I opened my eyes. Mason was standing beside me with his new rifle aimed at the front door. I nervously looked towards the door. The man with the shotgun was hanging through the door with blood dripping from his neck. Mason got to test his new rifle after all. He slowly lowered the rifle and appeared to be in complete shock. He was going to kill us all, Mason. I said, attempting to console him on what he just did. He didn't respond to my statement. He simply said, We have to get out of here, in an almost whispered tone. I nodded as I grabbed my mom's hand to lead us out. Let's get back home and grab the car keys. They're on the kitchen counter. My mom yelled as we exited the back door. Right now, I was just glad to hear my mom speak. We ran back to the house as quickly as possible. The sky seemed even darker than ever with the roaring of the sky continuing. Mason and Mom waited by the car while I ran to get the keys. They were right where she said. I grabbed them and began to head back outside. I heard a pounding on the window behind me. 
It startled me as I turned around quickly. My dad was in the window. He'd torn up more of his face. I could see the roots of his teeth through his lip. I gasped and stumbled back. I ran outside of the driveway. Get in, get in! I yelled as I unlocked the car door. They did what I asked and I rushed into the now unlocked car, not knowing where my panic state came from. They realized why quickly. I heard my mom scream loudly from the back seat. I looked up. My father was coming after us, dripping in blood with chunks of flesh falling to the ground. I turned on the car and looked backwards to back out. The car wasn't moving. I yelled in frustration as my father hurled himself against the car window. Both Mason and my mom screamed this time. Shit, I yelled as I realized I'd put the car in neutral. I slammed the gear stick in reverse and began backing up with tires squealing. The sound from the sky actually masked the squealing of the tires as it continued its echoing roar. My dad tried to hang on to the car but fell to the ground as we backed out of the driveway. He continued tearing at himself as we drove off in the direction of the big city. It was very soon after we started driving that we realized the gravity of what was happening. Entering the more residential part of the town, we had to swerve over and over to avoid people who were wandering in the streets. Many seemed lost. Some were yelling at nothing in particular. We passed by a naked woman in the street who was spinning in circles looking up at the noisy sky. Admittedly, there were several people who didn't seem affected by whatever this was. They were running around yelling for help. We could not stop to help them. We had to keep moving. No one in the car argued with that. As we approached city limits, a man darted out onto the road, arms stretched on either side, yelling for help. He slammed his hands on the hood as I screeched to a halt. He was terrified. As he started walking around to my side of the car, a dark figure came out of nowhere and tackled him to the ground. I leaned forward, looking out the window. The shadowy man repeatedly stabbed the frightened man in the neck. I still remember the gurgling sounds to this day. What the fuck? I screamed involuntarily as I screeched off. I heard a clunk from under the car. I looked back in the rearview mirror with the haze of red from my taillights. I could see I smashed one of the psychotic man's legs. He continued stabbing away as if nothing happened. Fuck, 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 I continued, not realizing I was even speaking. My eyesight had been completely tunnel-visioned out of fright at this point, making it difficult to focus on the road. As we began cruising, things started to calm down. No one was talking, though. The sound, that sound from the sky was beginning to fade away. I felt a sense of relief as the tingly, static feeling began to fade away almost simultaneously. Mason let out a sigh of relief. Nobody spoke until we got in town. The city was peaceful. People were walking along the sidewalk without a care, dining in restaurants, walking their dogs, hanging outside the bar. Nothing had happened here. Should we go to the police? Mason said, breaking the silence. They have to be aware of what's going on. I replied quickly, but unsure. No, stop at the closest motel, 
Mom yelled from the back seat. We have the gun. If whatever happened back there reaches here, we need to be bunkered down and ready for it, not surrounded by people. I couldn't come up with the mental fortitude to argue her point. I stopped at the closest motel. It was dingy, but from where I come from, I wasn't bothered. Mom hurried to speak to the desk clerk and paid for a room. For safety, she made sure we were on the second floor. None of us slept. We turned the TV on to try and get any information we could about what was going on. To our shock, nothing. No breaking news reports, no emergency broadcast system, not even a mention of the screaming sky. How is this not being acknowledged? Morning broke as the longest night of my life ended. The city was still normal. After a few minutes of the three of us deliberating on whether or not to head back to town, we agreed to at least stay one more night and head back in the morning. That day there were very little words said. We barely ate. I tried to call home around noon. No answer. Mason tried his mom's cell phone. No answer. Another sleepless night came and went. When morning hit, we jumped back in the car and took off for home. Conversation in the car was a lot more heavy this time. We went back and forth trying to wrap our head around what had happened. What was that sound in the sky? Why was everyone going mad? Why is there no mention of this in the neighboring cities? As we arrived in the suburban area, we noticed a serene ambience. Birds were chirping, dogs barked in the distance, and no sound was coming from the sky. It was eerily quiet. As we drove, a younger woman walked out of her house in a jogging outfit and headphones. She began running in place as she locked her door, turned, and began jogging. It was the same street I witnessed a violent murder and she was just going for a jog? As we continued, people were going about their business, much like in the big city, buying groceries, hanging out at the coffee shop, and smiling as if life was great. A chill ran up my spine as we pulled into our neighborhood. A fright came over me as I heard a roaring in the distance. This time, it was definitely the dirt bikes. We pulled into our driveway slowly. As we got out, we surveyed the area. No blood, no body. My dad was gone. We searched the entire house with no evidence anything had happened. We walked over to Mason's house. The front door was fixed. That or replaced, I don't know. We entered the house and the smell of bacon emanated from the kitchen. Where the hell have you been, boy? Mason's mom yelled as she flipped a pancake on the stove. Mom? Are you okay? What happened? Mason replied sheepishly. I'm just pissed off you didn't come home last night. If you want to stay at Travis's, you could at least let me know, she retorted in a stern voice. My mom and I left back to our house. I looked across the street at Mason's neighbor. No writing. It was in permanent marker, yet there was no sign of writing, not even faded markings. We got home and phoned the police. 
When they arrived, we told them the whole story. They acted as if we were crazy, even going as far as blaming it on localized hysteria between the three of us. I knew what had happened, and I knew it was real. The only thing we could do was report my father missing. Since then, there's been no trace of him. I moved out three weeks later. Mason and I were able to get a job in the city working a warehouse. Not much better than weed farming, but it's paying for our place. We're currently roommating, and we rarely bring up things that happened three months ago. My mom decided to stay, and with the savings she had, hired farmhands to help out. She decided to start her retirement early. It will take me a long time to come to terms with what happened. The loss of my father will forever haunt me. The sights I saw are still in my dreams. Sometimes I swear I hear the sound the sky made that night start in the distance. I get a flash of terror followed by relief when I realized it's not happening again. But what did happen? Nobody in the small town has said anything about what happened. Nobody in the city has ever mentioned anything either, but all three of us remember it vividly. How could my father just disappear like that? Was it some sort of government test that went wrong? Dare I say it could be aliens? Or could this be a natural phenomenon that's never been recorded? No matter how much I try to piece together what happened, nothing makes sense. Why was the sky screaming that night? The people. Some of them aren't real. I looked across the table at Kent, trying to keep my own face neutral as I studied his. He looked bad. Exhausted, but also kind of cracked out, like he used to get that last year of college, but a hundred times worse. Back then, the worst he would do was get hyper and maybe a little reckless. Now? He disappeared for two weeks and came back looking like a hobo junkie, all restless eyes and nervous twitch in his upper lip. He met my gaze, his mouth shifting briefly like he smelled something bad. I wasn't sure how to respond to this crazy talk, but it was clear I needed to say something, so I decided to go with the obvious. What the fuck are you talking about, man? He gave me a ghastly grin and then nodded as he absently swirled a fry through some ketchup. Kent looked like he hadn't eaten much since he went missing, but he was still only picking at his food. Maybe he was just dehydrated, though. He'd gone through three glasses of water since we'd come to the restaurant just a few minutes earlier. I... I started noticing it last month, yeah? One day I was on the bus. I always take to and from work. I usually like the aisle seats, but that day was pretty full, so I got stuck in a window seat next to this big fat guy that smelled like a Philly cheesesteak, and not in a good way. So... I just leaned close to the glass and tried to keep focused on looking out the window. Just staring, really. So it took a few minutes for me to first see it. Or at least realize I was seeing it. 
I frowned at him. Seeing what? Kent shook his head slowly. I kept seeing the same dude. Like, we were going up 3rd Street and the bus stopped at an intersection and I saw this guy drinking a cup of coffee or whatever. He was draining the cup and then throwing it in the trash can next to him. I don't know why I focused on him in the first place. Maybe it was him leaning back to get the last of the coffee. Like, he was really thirsty. I I mean... He didn't look special. He was dressed in a gray suit and had an overcoat on, but there's tons of corporate stuff on the street, so you see executive types all the time. Anyway, we left him behind when the light turned green, and I just kept staring out the window. A few minutes went by. The bus made it like five blocks and was coming up on the turn onto Brick Street. Suddenly something caught my eye. It was that same dude with the coffee, except this time he was sitting at one of those outdoor cafes. We didn't stop this time, but the bus was going really slow, so I still got a good ten seconds to see him. And once I noticed him, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. When he paused long enough for me to interject, I took advantage of it. Dude, that's not a big deal. There are tons of people that look alike, especially when they're dressed up and you're seeing them from a distance. That's all it was. A coincidence. Kent was already shaking his head. No. I looked at him closely, and my eyes are good. It wasn't someone that looked like him. It was the same guy. I shrugged. Maybe he just caught up with you and sat down at the cafe then. You said you were moving slow? Not that slow, and not slow during that whole five blocks. Just some of the time. He would have had to run in a suit and an overcoat faster than the city bus for five blocks and managed to get sat down before we could pass. Rubbing his face, he went on. Still, I thought the same thing at first. Looking for a logical conclusion, right? He let out a breath as he met my eyes again. The thing was, this guy had food and a drink. He'd clearly been eating for a few minutes, likely since before I had even passed the first guy. Well, then it has to be different people, right? He shook his head. I don't think so. Or at least not in the way you mean. I gave a smile I didn't feel. This was looking more and more like Kent either had new mental issues or had gotten onto some bad drugs. Either way, I didn't know how much longer I was going to be comfortable with keeping my promise. He'd made me swear not to tell anyone where he was after he waylaid me outside my office, and at the time I'd been happy just to see him and have a chance to make sure he was okay. But he wasn't okay. Not if he believed this stuff. And why would he tell it to me if he didn't? Okay, so what do you mean by that? You're being very cryptic. Leaning forward, his voice trembled a little when he spoke next. Once you see it, you can't stop seeing it. It's like noticing cars that are like yours after you first get it. Ken swallowed and lowered his head to his hands. 
I saw that same guy a third time as I got off at my stop. Now I knew something was going on. This was a good five miles from the cafe. I ran home and locked the door, convinced that this guy or him and his twins were after me. I didn't understand any of it, but I was terrified. It took two days of peeping out the window before I would even go outside again. When I did, the coast seemed clear. No sign of that guy anywhere. I heard a bitter laugh from behind Ken's hands. <laughs> but then... I noticed the woman. I saw her walking into work that morning. only noticed her because she was kind of hot for an older lady. Then, when I went to lunch, I saw her again. Maybe she worked nearby or something. Again, no big deal, right? Except, I walked over to the taco place and saw her standing outside looking at her phone. There was no way she could have beaten me there. It was a straight shot, except... I walked over to the taco place and saw her standing outside looking at her phone. There was no way she could have beaten me there. It was a straight shot, and except for that bank building being in the way, I could have literally looked back and seen where I saw her two minutes earlier. Looking up, Kent waved over the waitress and asked for more water before turning back to me. I went on into the restaurant, asked for a table where I could see out the front window. The woman was out there for a couple more minutes, and then she got in a taxi and left without a backward glance my way. I I tried to let it go. Just eat lunch and not dwell on it because I know how I am when I get fixated on something. By the time I headed back to work, I was still thinking about it, but I wasn't so freaked out anymore. I nodded. That's good. You do better when you can redirect that focus. How are you doing with your men? Kent slammed his hand down between us, making his plate jump slightly. No! You're not listening. Just listen and quit trying to... to talk me down from whatever roof you think I'm on, okay? Frowning, I nodded, and after a moment, he continued... I left work late that afternoon, and there was no sign of the woman outside this time. I'd missed my usual bus, but after a few minutes, I grabbed one that would take me fairly close to my regular stop. I couldn't wait to be home. I was less freaked out than I'd been at lunch, but I could still feel myself close to the edge of... something. Whatever it was, I just wanted to back away slowly and get back to normal. But then I saw the man again, and he was draining his cup of coffee or whatever, identically to how he'd done it before when I'd seen him, except he was down the street a little bit, so when he threw his cup away, it landed on the edge of the sidewalk instead of going into a trash can. You need to understand what I'm saying. He, he was doing the exact same things as the first time, but his location was off or whatever. He tried to throw it away like before, but the trash can wasn't there. It was still down the street where it had been before. But he didn't... 
he didn't seem to know the difference. It's like a video game, right? You've got these non-player characters that are moving around, mimicking real people, living real lives in this game world, but but they aren't real. They aren't really thinking or living at all. They're all just programmed routines they do based on certain triggers. And if the world glitches, or their AI gets fucked up, they start doing things that are off. After I saw that guy again, I knew I had to do something. Either I'd stumbled onto something huge, or I really was crazy. And the not knowing which was true was worse than any fear I had from the strange shit I was seeing. So I got off to the next bus stop and backtracked until I found the guy again. He was just down the street from where I'd seen him throw down the cup, walking along like he had nowhere in particular to be. So I followed him. What the f- You followed someone? I lowered my voice as I leaned forward slightly. You- You haven't hurt anyone, have you? He raised his eyebrows. No, you're not listening. You need to- I cut him off. What I need to do is go piss. When I get back, let's head to my car and keep talking about this. Okay? Kent just smiled and nodded. Looking away, I slid out the booth and headed into the direction of the restroom sign. I did need to pee, but I also just needed a break to catch my breath and think through my options. I could go ahead and call someone, probably Kent's mom, as she was the most freaked out by him dropping off the map recently. I can try and shut down his crazy bullshit and make him understand that he was sick and needed help, but that ran the risk of him just leaving again. No. Maybe I was better off just hearing him out. I might understand more if I did, and he might be more willing to listen to my opinion if I listened to the whole bizarre... My phone buzzed in my pants, and I let out a small yelp. Fuck. I was jumpy. I guess the story was getting to me more than I realized. Digging my phone out, I glanced at the name on the screen. Kent. What's up? I'll be out in a minute. Alan? I felt my face drawing into a frown as I leaned against the bathroom wall. Yeah? His tone was weird and he sounded different somehow, though I couldn't quite place it. Did you just tell me you'd be out in a minute? Uh, yeah. I just needed to take a quick piss. I told you that. Alan, where are you? The bathroom, jackass. You think I went to go piss in the kitchen? His voice was louder and more agitated now. No, no. Where are you? What place are you at? I felt the skin begin to prickle on my arms. At the diner near my office. Roger's diner. I just left you, like, literally a minute ago, man. Look, are you actually confused, or are you just... You need to get out of there. Right. Now. The fear in Kent's voice killed any idea that he was playing a joke. Okay. Are you waiting out front, or what? Alan. I'm not there. I'm not even in the city right now. 
whoever or whatever is there with you, it's not me. Dude, this isn't funny. I'm going to come out and we're going to have a serious talk about what needs to happen next, okay? I could already hear him saying something else, but I ended the call and left the bathroom. The table we'd been sitting at was empty now, and I didn't see any sign of Kent through the windows lining the wall. Shit, I hoped I hadn't lost him again. Grabbing the ticket, I carried it up to the register where a young woman took it and began hitting buttons. I kept looking around for some sign of Kent while she rang me up, and I was so distracted it took me a moment to register she was even talking to me. Sorry, what was that? The girl blushed slightly and giggled. I said, so was it a staring contest or true love? Blinking, I frowned at her. I, I don't understand. She grinned and gestured back to the table we'd been sitting at. Me and the cook have a bet why y'all were doing that for so long. He says you're just in the young love. Me? I think it was a staring contest. Her blush deepened slightly. Told him I think you like girls instead. I stared at her blankly. I don't know what you're talking about. It was her turn to frown. Not making fun or nothing, just... Well, we saw how both y'all were sitting there quiet, just staring at each other for the longest time, not saying a word. I felt my heart begin to hammer in my chest, even as my throat seemed to constrict down to a hole the size of a pin. No, no we didn't. She raised an eyebrow. Yeah, you did. Aside from ordering food and your friend asking for more drinks every few minutes, neither of y'all talked for at least half an hour. Just looked at each other. The girl handed me my change with an apologetic look. I wasn't trying to be nosy or nothing. It was just... It was just weird, is all. I stuffed the money into my pocket woodenly as I turned to go, but then I stopped and looked back at her. Did you see where that other guy went? In a deeper part of my mind, I realized I was now asking so I could avoid him rather than find him, but I ignored that detail for the moment. For now, the fear growing fat in my belly was more pressing than anything else. She shrugged. Sorry, I saw you get up and head to the back, but when I looked over to the table, next time he was just gone. Nodding, I headed outside, looking carefully in every direction before heading to my car. There was no sign of Kent anywhere. I told myself I was being silly, but I still couldn't resist jogging to my car and locking the door as soon as I got in. There was a flash of panic as I realized I hadn't checked the back seat, but when I looked back there, it was empty. The relief I felt was palpable, and it made what I was about to do even harder. Pulling out my phone, I called Kent back. First couple of tries, I didn't get anything other than his full mailbox. It wasn't until I was on the freeway that I heard his panicked voice on the far end of the line. Alan, are you okay? The fucking service here goes in and out. I've been trying to get through to you since we got cut off. I'm fine, but why'd you leave? What's this all about? A brief pause, 
and then, in a calmer voice, Kent replied, Alan, I know this sounds like a joke or something to you. Or you think I'm crazy. Crazier, but... I wasn't with you today. I haven't seen you in weeks. I felt anger bubbling in my chest, fed by my growing fear and uncertainty. Bullshit. We just ate lunch and talked. Then I go to the bathroom, you call me, and then you're a fucking ghost? Why are you doing this? What did I say? What? When we talked just now, what did we talk about? Look, man, this is getting really fuck. Please. Just humor me. I'm not messing with you. Sighing, I glanced up at where I was headed. I started going home without even thinking about it. I considered turning around and heading back to work, but I didn't see the point. I needed to deal with this Kent thing now, if possible, both for his safety and my peace of mind. (sighs) Okay, you were telling me about seeing a man, the same man over and over, but, like, in ways that it was impossible for it to be the same man. Same thing happened with a woman, then again with the first guy, but now... Now he was missing the trash can. I grimaced. Oh, so now you're just fucking with me. Great. No, Alan, no. I know that stuff you just said because it happened to me. All of it. But I haven't told anyone about it. And I swear to God, I did not talk to you today except for on the phone a few minutes ago and now. Ignoring the clenching pain in my stomach, I got over in the exit lane. (sighs) Okay, fine. So what's going on? None of this makes sense and your family's freaking out and you haven't told my family about this, have you? It just happened. Plus, you asked me not to. Alan, that wasn't... Yeah, you're a fucking NPC or whatever. But you're going to meet me and talk, okay? And by the end of it, you're either going to convince me or I'm going to convince you. Either that, or I'll hang up and call your mom or sister right now. No! No. I don't want them involved in... Whatever this is. I'll meet you. Tomorrow afternoon? At your house? Why not today? Another pause and then... Because I'm two hours away and I need time to check things out here and there before I meet. I've taken to being real careful whenever I go out. It's not just me noticing them. They've noticed me too. I'll see you then, buddy. I went to say more, but he'd already hung up. I turned into my driveway and parked, sitting in front of my car for a moment as I went back over my lunch at the diner. That had been Kent, right? It had to be. And that girl, she was... She was just lying for some reason. We talked plenty the whole time we were there. Didn't we? I got out and headed for the door, the chill in my stomach working its way up my spine. Kent had issues, sure, but... He'd never been a joker or a liar, and he'd never been delusional either, and he'd sounded really upset on the phone. Though, if he was crazy, maybe he really would be upset.
Feeling a sense of something coming up behind me, I whirled around, pulse suddenly pounding. There was nothing there, of course. Just more of me being scared of nothing, jumping at shadows cast by my poor, sick friend. Turning back, I stepped inside, and the door closed behind me. Everything it told you, it's just like I'd said it. That's what happened. Kent was keyed up now, his hands blade wide as he punctuated his words. This was more like the Kent I knew, high-strung but not strung out, looking tired but not like a homeless drug addict, and yet he was still swearing he hadn't met me the day before. Deciding to go with it just for the time being, I asked him if he'd really followed the coffee man. His eyes went wide. (laughs) Oh yeah, I followed him. He went into an old office over on Harris Street and didn't come out for like three hours. And in that time, another two of him had gone in too. I sucked in a breath. So, you're saying you literally saw three of the same person go into the same building. And you were watching it the whole time. Kent nodded as he drank from the glass of water I'd offered when he'd arrived. Yep, and yep. Maybe they were leaving out the back and circling around? He smirked. Good theory, except that the other two came just a few minutes after the first one and arrived at almost the exact same time. I saw one go in less than a minute after the other. When he saw I had no further argument for the time being, he went on. That was just the start. I gave up on work or seeing other people. I needed to figure this out one way or the other as the way I looked at it. Whether it was real or I was just crazy. I didn't want to risk putting someone else in harm's way. So I spent the next few days driving around looking for more of whatever they are. At the diner, you called them NPCs, like in a game. Puffing out of breath, I corrected myself. Or, not you, but the other you. The thing that looks like you. When he still looked irritated, I tried changing the subject. Do you think there's more than one of you? Ken shrugged. Maybe, maybe not by now. He leaned forward and his face grew paler as he went on. I've been in that building now. Just a couple of days after I saw the men go in, they... I almost got caught a couple of times, but they have trouble noticing things while they're still apart. I raised an eyebrow. Apart? Yeah, they don't stay in multiples forever, I don't think. Or at least some of them don't. It's like they go out, learn about the world, or some, or whatever it is they're doing, and then they come together, melt together into one version. He wiped his mouth with a shaking hand. I saw it happen once. It was so awful. It didn't even make sense looking at it, but when it was done, that one version acted more normal. I followed it for a day after that, and it didn't have any weird lapses the way the other ones do. 
Kent gave me a weak smile. I would have continued following it for longer, but that night, as it was leaving a supermarket, it turned and stared at me from across the parking lot. Just stared and smiled. Kent's lips thinned to a line. That's when I left town. I thought I was a bit safer after that, but then on Saturday, one of them came into the motel room where I was staying. I didn't wake up at first, just when it climbed onto the bed with me. I felt it, or I heard the spring squeak. He shook his head. Either way, I take into sleeping with a knife. I stabbed it twice and rolled off the bed. It came after me, though it was moving slow. I got to my feet and kept stabbing it until it stopped moving at all. It wasn't until I was done... It wasn't until I was done that I realized... There was no blood. It was just... It was just black leaves. Most of them dried up and crumbling, though a few were softer and wet with some yellow snot or whatever. I turned on the light to get a better look, but by the time I turned back, it was all drying up and puffing away. He rubbed his eyes. <sniffs> like it had never been there at all. I stood up and went into the kitchen to refill our glasses, trying to sound casual. So, are you sure that's what happened? I gave a soft laugh. <laughs> no chance you killed a real guy and just think it was one of those things, right? I could hear the tension in his voice when he answered. I honestly wish I had. I know that sounds terrible, and I wouldn't want to hurt anybody, but at least it would mean I was crazy and none of this is real, but... It is. You seeing my NPC proves it. It has my memories. My personality. Either they're getting better at mimicking real people, or... I don't know. I don't know if those other NPCs were real people they copied or ones they made up. I handed him back his glass as I drink from my own. But, look, I'm not trying to say you're crazy or wrong. But why would they go about it like this? If this is, what, aliens, monsters, devil, robots, whatever it is, why would they let multiple versions of the same person out at once? Particularly when they all act fucked up and weird. Kent nodded. I wondered that too, at least the first time, but... Watching them for a few days, I think I figured it out. They do it because they can. People don't notice. They don't see the doubles or the odd behavior. I don't know how or why no one sees it or why I do. Maybe it's because of my bad wiring or because they're trying to copy me too. He gave a hollow laugh. <laughs> I do feel like I'm weirdly connected to them now. Like yesterday. 
The only reason I called you when you were at the diner was because I had this sudden really strong feeling of having just talked to you. I tried to brush it off, but when I couldn't, I worried it meant you were in danger. He sat down his glass. Turns out I was right. But why? Why are they doing this? He shrugged. I don't know. To replace us? Infiltrate us? Who knows? Kent stared off for a moment, his expression bleak. I can tell you that I've never seen them talk to each other. No visible signs of communication at all. Shaking his head, he looked up at me. Maybe they're controlled by something else. Puppets? Hell, maybe they don't even know they aren't the real thing. I nodded. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure, but I think I can show you something that will shed a little light on it. Kent raised his eyebrows. Really? What is it? I gave him a smile I didn't feel. It's not something I can easily explain. Better than you see it. It's in the guest room. I started to head down the hall, but stopped when I saw how slow he was to follow. Come on, let me show you. It's really something. His face unreadable, he nodded and rose, walking behind me until we reached the closed door. I gestured for him to open it, but he hesitated, looking at me. You go ahead. Sniffing softly, I reached forward and turned the knob, pushing the door open wide. I could hear a sharp intake of breath behind me as Kent saw what was in the room. Lines of ribbons and dried, torn meat that had once been a man. Blood turned to powder and a face that had... But for the shrunken sockets and peeled back lips... Would have looked just like mine. I felt the knife go into my side, but I was ready for it. Grabbing Kent's wrist, I twisted hard as I felt a hard pop beneath my fingers. He cried out in pain even as he began to punch me with his free arm. Another twist and he sank to the ground with a squeal of pain that caused me to wince. Crouching down next to him, I grabbed his throat tightly, trying to be as gentle as the situation allowed. We know we're not them, and yet we don't know. It's like being in a dream that you know is a dream, but you don't like the knowing, so you make yourself forget when you can. I stroked the side of his head as he glared at me with a mixture of hatred and fear. He could still breathe, but just barely, and the fight was out of him now. We don't hate you. Not at all. We love you very much. I felt my vision blur a bit and blinked my eyes clear. Reaching down, I pulled out the knife. When I raised my hand, a pair of withered black leaves were stuck there from the wound. But this thing that drives us, that makes us, doesn't care about you at all. It's very smart and selfish, and it won't stop growing. I could feel Kent's fear continuing to build. 
I was only making it worse, terrorizing him further and dragging out the inevitable. Sobbing a little, I squeezed tightly and felt his spine give away. A moment more of pain and horror in his eyes, and then he was at peace. Cradling his body, I cried softly for some time before I drink in what his remains had to offer. I know there's another Kent out there, a Kent like I'm an Alan. I understand the logic that despite the strangeness of it all, in time I'll come to fill Alan's life completely. And that part of that will be by accepting this other version of my best friend Kent. And all will continue until all is done. I'll burn these dried up husks of old Alan and Kent after nightfall. It won't take long, and then there will be no proof of these others, these originals. Perhaps then it will be easier to stay in the dream that I am, this man, pretending that I was given this life rather than having taken it from another. Or maybe I can hold on to some of this pain, this guilt. Maybe I don't have to fade into a dreaming phantom only existing to serve this thing that I've come from. If I can only hold on to this desperately fading sense of loss and love and shame, maybe I can become something more. Maybe through such joy and suffering, I can become real. <laughs>